Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, doctors hate this one simple trick for playing as Kratos on your Nintendo Switch. It's our most clickbaity cold open yet. It's dangerous to go alone. So the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including the 25th anniversary of LEGO video games and Persona 5 Scramble actually coming to the U.S. And then on Thursday, we're doing our own dang game awards, okay? Jeff Keighley can do his. We're doing our own. Mark, in the meantime, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I, uh... So a weird thing has been happening to me recently. Mm. Um, anytime I sit on uh, the couch in our living room and then stand up, I have somehow generated enough static electricity to yes. uh, like shock myself no matter what happens. And I wonder if it's because... I actually don't know how to just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to account for no, it. No, 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 no. Don't back down from wherever you are going. Well, I okay. want to hear what your, what's your theory on why okay, you're generating right. more static electricity now. Okay. So uh, yeah. my first thought was maybe I have a heart condition that, and this is somehow manifesting itself this way. Turns out, <laughs> no. I don't think that's true. No, I don't, that, I don't that think is, that can be true. That is one symptom that's, that is not Googleable on the internet. Um, my next theory is that, like, I've, because I'm, like, wearing sweatpants a lot, but that's been true for months at this point, but maybe it's a combination Mm. of wearing sweatpants, plus there's more, like, humidity in the air? Help me out, somebody. Well, okay, uh, let me, let me, well, the less humidity there is, the more likely it is that you're going to be shooting off static electricity, so I think the fact that it is colder and drier, that, that, that adds up to me. Okay. Um, are you wearing more layers than usual? I suppose I am. I've been wearing a hoodie a lot more often on than I have recently. But explain how layers. I mean, I know that is this is not the purpose of this podcast. Right. 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 <laughs> um, I don't know. I know that it, it it's more friction because it's more surfaces rubbing against each other. Right. Oh, I see. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I. I mean, I would totally believe that. Would I say like yes? All right. I clearly have no idea. But I would believe that that is true. That is convincing enough for me. Uh, Mark, speaking of things that are convincing enough for you, how about my copy of Sonic Forces and the Sonic Forces borrowing program that supports it and supports its dissemination into our listenership? If you would like to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces, all you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com. Um, and give us a mailing address, and then we send you my copy of that game to play for as long as you want. Um, Mark, what might happen? Well, see, something that could happen is you think you're getting the Sonic a copy of Sonic Forces. You eagerly retrieve the envelope from your mailbox. You rushed back into your home. You rip open the envelope, and in place of Sonic Forces... You have Untitled Goose Game. Yeah, you have, have been spoiled by the goose. goose. Game. The goose is a spoiler. Uh, I'm sorry, someone will accidentally receive Untitled Goose Game. You play that for as long as you want, and then you send it back. The goose is just there to mess up. Is is just there to mess things up. Honk. Truly, Honk, indeed. Um, here's another thing you can do with that email address, and this may be more important, and dare I say, more urgent. Um, we are doing a predictions episode. At the end of this year, we are going to be predicting Nintendo's 2021. Now, you would think that after the year that we have all had, that everyone <laughs> would get out of, the, out of the prediction game altogether, because uh, no one could have predicted 2020. Go ahead, you Mark. You would think so, mm. but Patrick, you do, you are, like, we have you on the record of manifesting a new Game & Watch, which did happen this year. That, okay, yes, okay, so... I'm very good at predicting the future. <laughs> what we're trying to do here is we're trying to get you to send us your Nintendo predictions for 2020. Now, the deadline for this is coming up quick. 
So Friday, December 18th is the last day that we can take them. So email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com. At gmail.com. And thank you to everyone who has already um, sent in their, their predictions. Uh, just so everyone who has not sent one knows, um, we're getting a bunch of predictions. So uh, feel free to dump however many you want in there. Uh, they can be as far out as you want them to be. Things that you actually believe are going to happen. Things that you know you know aren't going to actually happen. That's fine, too. Drop them in there. We will add them to our, our grand list of predictions. Yeah, I feel like after, I, on the one hand, I think you're right that getting out of the predictions business makes a lot of sense over what happened in 2020. But yeah. on the other hand, the door is now wide open for the wildest things to happen in 2021. So, like, do your worst. Yeah, I mean, let's look. Uh, if anyone predicts something crazier than what actually ends up happening in 2021, then there will be a consequence of one form or another that <laughs> I, I can't come up with at the moment. Uh, thank you so much to uh, Scotsy13 for the five star review on Apple Podcasts. I think it's Scootsy. I think I you're think right. It's Scootsy I think 13. you're right. <laughs> I think it is Scootsy 13. Uh, I, I was cold reading that. I saw that it was in our show notes here. Um, and I just took a stab at the name. Mark, I was also co- uh, like cold reading the, uh, the cold open of the show because um, y- you had written it. And normally, even when, uh, when you write something, I like run it through the uh, like intro voice before we get going. I did not do it. So that was the, that was the first read of it that we heard on this episode. Nailed it. Um, but thank you, Scootsy. Uh, everyone else uh, who has left us reviews, thank you so much. If you have not yet, please go in there and review us. It helps people find us, and we appreciate that. We appreciate you reviewing us wherever you do um, and all that good stuff. Uh, also, any kind of interaction that we get, um, I think we, we like all of that, too. So we, uh, we had a conversation last week about time traveling within uh, Nintendo games. Um, and then we got, uh, a, a tweet on the subject, um, from at Prismos Pickle, that's a, A.V. Guevara on, uh, Twitter saying, y'all forgot Luigi's Mansion already has time travel. Luigi was sent back in time by EGAD into the original game, and that's why we have the 3DS remake, otherwise fantastic app, uh, smiley face with the tongue sticking out. Uh, Av, you know I didn't forget that. <laughs> that piece of information is always top of mind for me. That Guiji is a time traveler. Sometimes when we have to take stock of things and say, "What do we know about Guiji?" I say, first of all, we know he's a time traveler. Um, I didn't bring it up because honestly, I feel like I talk about it too much. It's like those times when I don't mention, uh, you know, Teleroboxer or Star Tropics or Donkey Kong Three. Um. <laughs> Every now and then, I gotta put my favorite topics to bed. I just gotta. I feel like first rule of Nintendo Cartridge Society: Yes, Guiji is a time traveler. Know that coming into every episode that right. that is, that that is true. Those are table stakes, frankly. Um. Also, uh, I got a text from my buddy Pete uh, on the same topic of um time travel. Uh, when we were talking about Zelda, I said that you know the only real time travel is in uh, uh, um, Ocarina of Time, and then also sort of Majora's Mask. Uh, uh, but uh, Pete points out Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons also have time travel too. Um, so yeah, I guess we sort of forgot about the Oracle games. Um, but then it got me thinking, in Oracle of Seasons, are you actually time traveling or are you just making the, the weather different? I think you're just making the weather different. Yeah, you're not like actually moving ahead three months or back in time six months. Like it's. I don't think so. I, yeah, it's just because otherwise it's like, is it the same year or are you like skipping ahead to the next of whatever that right. next season is? It seems it's. Uh, I, I think it's. I think that one may not be time travel. I was also wondering, do we count a link to the past? Because I know you're going to like a the dark world, like a different dimension. Interesting. But, like, does that also count as? uh time like shifting as well i mean i would say no not at all but (laughs) (laughs) i'm i'm willing to hear the argument i guess (laughs) well you know i don't really have one beyond what i just said so uh Uh, we can probably move on (laughs) sometimes it's fine to back down from an argument uh (laughs) thank you uh both of you for adding to our uh time travel discourse mark let's get into what we've been playing this week 
So I think we've got to start with the Tetris 99 Maximus Cup, which happened this past weekend. Yes. Um, it had a Super Mario Brothers All-Stars, like the Super Nintendo game, 16-bit theme. And I've got to admit, I was kind of disappointed with this one. I was also kind of disappointed with this one. Um, the... Uh... The music isn't super fun. The and music like, was so disappointing. The music was super disappointing. And when you get into the, you know, the, the music always changes as you go from like the uh, just like sort of regular ranking to the top 50 to the top 10. Um, but once you get into the top 10, it's that like um, castle, like Bowser's Castle music, mm-hmm. um, which is really more like foreboding than it is like energizing. Um, and like, just didn't feel like the right vibe at all, um, for that. So like the, yeah, the, the whole thing I just found a little bit like underwhelming. I got it, of course, because I must get all the themes. And I was thinking at some point we should rank all the themes in Tetris 99. Um, but did, did you, uh, did you uh, unlock the theme? I did unlock the theme. Also, I have to make a a small confession real fast because when you were talking about the music in the top 10 and I was like, "Mm mm-hmm. Like, I didn't make it into the top 10 in any of those rounds. I never got that music. I had no idea what it sounded like. Um, I did get one Tetris Maximus uh, uh, throughout the course of this. Um, but I believe I, I had already scored like 80 or 90 points doing, mm-hmm. you know, just like getting second and third and whatever. Um, and then like hit that first place, got the extra 100 points. and was like, all right, okay. Now, <laughs> now I, I was stop. playing with, uh, I was playing and my husband was sitting on the couch watching me. And uh, you know how, like, when somebody's, like, looking over your shoulder when you're trying to type on your keyboard yeah. or, like, you, can't uh, do it. you haven't drip, you can't do it for whatever reasons. I was, like, butterfingers. And, he's, and like, he was uh, really supportive in that way where, like, you know, like, you would su- be really supportive of, like, a lame dog where you're, like, oh, good boy. Like, congr- way to go. Like, that yeah. was totally the vibe that was happening. Yeah. Well, it, it happens. Look, when you're not playing Tetris all the time, you get rusty. Yep. For sure. Um, so that's good. I'm glad we both uh, went back to that for, uh, you know, however uh, small amount of time this weekend. And I hope everyone else uh, that wanted it got their hands on this theme. Um, anytime they drop one, I'm, I'm back to Tetris 99. For, yeah, for e- sure. Every single time. Um, Mark, I said that uh, after a week's time, this was last week, uh, Tuesday, I said after one week's time, we've got to start talking about Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity uh, because we both have it. We're both playing it. Um, Mark, where are, where do you stand currently with Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity? So, uh, how much, I mean, I, I don't think Hard anything I'm about to say is like, a, I, like, I don't think that anything I'm about to say is like a spoiler, but I guess like, if you want to know nothing about the game, um, don't listen to this part, but I, I have three of the four champions. Um, I have all of, but the, uh, Gerudo champion. Which bizarre? I did it. I did them in the same order, or at least I saved the Gerudo champion for last. I realized that I'm doing them in the same order that I did them when I played Breath of the Wild, what? but I'm not. But like not on purpose. Like I started um going to the like Rito village uh to get Rivali, and so did I. Uh, yeah, and so but I am really enjoying it, enjoying it more than I thought I was going to, honestly. I think um, it being just like in the world of Breath of the Wild and with those really characters yeah. is a lot of fun. I'm also feeling for me that I'm hoping that uh, like Breath of the Wild 2 or whatever, the sequel to the Breath of the Wild, that we don't see these characters that like, um, you know, we don't see these champions or like, like that's, we kind yeah. of leave this world behind. And I think my sense of it so far is even though this is a, this age of calamity is a prequel it feels like a good send off for these characters it's the most time we've spent with these characters and i don't really want to see them in the sequel i i think it's kind of cool that the breath of the wild has become its own like universe and i think you continue to spin off games off of like breath of the wild but i would love for the sequel to be something distinct yeah, I, I, I agree with that 100%. I still think that, uh, you know, whatever we see uh, for Breath of the Wild is going to be um, more different from the first game than we are expecting it. Like, I think I think a lot of people just want to see, like, 
a, a, a you know copy paste uh just more to do um in maybe a different version of hyrule um but i, I think it may be a more fundamentally different game than we're expecting so are are you about the same area as i am like yeah so i think we're both still in technically chapter two right um mm-hmm. it, chapter two is uh you get to uh go to each of the the four champions in whatever order you want i did uh the rito village to get Rivali. And then uh, down to the Zoras to get Mifa, uh, and then up to the Gorons to get um, uh, Daruk, and then down to the Gerudo village to get Urbosa. Um, and then just sort of like cleaned up the, there are like the little fights that you can do that are like training mm-hmm. for this person or like getting, uh, you know, perfecting Magnesis or what, you know, whatever like that. Um, and I've done a, a bunch of those. Um, and there is like another main battle uh, waiting for me in the middle of Hyrule Field um, that I'm just sort of putting off right now. Um, since getting Urbosa, I have decided that I don't want to play this game as anyone but Urbosa. She's so <laughs> much fun. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm also really enjoying it, but I'm enjoying it as a very like snack game, right? Totally. That, like I can play it for like, 45 minutes or an hour and then i'm like all right now something else um i i don't think i'm ever going to get to a place where i put in you know like with the original with actual breath of the wild i would lose almost entire days to it where it's like oh i just played that game for seven hours and like that was my day um i can guarantee that that will never happen with this game um i think i'm five and a half hours in right now um and that's over the course of like maybe six or seven different play sessions um, so like, yeah, I, I, I definitely go through it more, uh, like slowly and gradually than, uh, kind of most other games, but it feels right. Yeah. It's kind of set up perfect for that. Like you're saying like each, even the like main battles take maybe 20, 25 minutes. Um, and then unlike with Breath of the Wild, cause I did the same thing where you just kind of got lost in that world, but it was so easy to be like, okay, oh, what's over there now? Like. Once yeah. I make it over there, I'll stop. And then you get over there and you're like, holy crap, what's that? Like yeah. a little bit further. You just further. keep discovering stuff. With this, it's not that way at all. It's like you've finished the battle, you go back to the map, and it's really easy to just be like, okay, cool. Like I'm okay setting this down. Yeah. It's also, uh, I mean, it's, it's interesting because I, I am very much enjoying this game. There are parts of like the presentation, just because there is so much more like story presentation, so much more like music in it um, that like, I start to see the like lower level of quality to it that mm-hmm. like the the writing is is pretty inconsequential like it doesn't really matter what the characters are saying to each other um it's occasionally funny um Daruk makes uh uh Link eat a a rock that looks like meat um that's kind of funny but it's also <laughs> kind of like weird and what um uh but there is a music cue that plays every time you go back to like the tower in the middle of uh, Hyrule and it's like a big like you know sweeping string um, and it's so funny to me because as you're doing those like smaller little encounters and returning to that tower um, you know you can do like four or five of those things in like 15 minutes and so you just keep hearing this grand sweeping it's like this it, is too much guys dial it down it totally reminds me of Jurassic Park 3 where like <laughs> Jurassic Park 3 uses the main Jurassic oh, Park theme murders for- it everything yes. like it is constantly played so there's no like grandeur associated with it anymore it's just like totally like overplayed god and then at the end when the military comes in and they do like an <laughs> army version of it with like a snare drum in the back it's awful <laughs> um yeah i i have found like that there are some of the characters that i don't really know how to control and so i'm just relying like purely on button smashing and it's been working out okay, but like Zelda, uh, and Impa, like I don't really understand how I'm supposed to be oh, using man. those characters. Wrap your head around Impa because she's uh, she gets fun with that like uh, auto duplication where she mm-hmm, makes like mm-hmm, multiple mm-hmm. versions of herself. Um, she can be super super fun. Um, but yeah, I also find Zelda to be a little bit perplexing because she uses the uh the. What what's the tablet called? The um, Sheikah slate. Sheikah slate. She uses the Sheikah runes as like her regular attacks, but can access the runes the same way everyone else does. And so it's just I find it conceptually muddled when you're fighting <laughs> as, as, as Zelda. Get your hands on Urbosa, man. 
Um, she's great. She's got a sword. You charge up her lightning ability, and then she can zap dudes with lightning. It's fun. I I, I am finding Rivali like I am using Rivali a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of find him OP. Like Rivali is like he can just fly around and shoot like people. It seems pretty crazy. Yeah, Rivali's got a good like. One of the things I like about using Rivali is that it gets rid of when you're fighting those uh the whiz robes, um, mm-hmm. and they're like flying in the air, and you're like, I can't hit these things. Um, but Rivali, he can just fly too. <laughs> no problem there. Um, all right. Well, this is good, uh, and we will, uh, you know, just report back as we as we keep playing. I think, and that it sounds like we're both going to be playing it for kind of a while, right? Like, yeah, I think so. Do you have any sense of how long this game is or how many I chapters? I have absolutely are? no idea. Me neither. I'm totally in the dark about it. I'm, I'm kind of excited. There was a, a little bit where we, uh, you know, we're trying to come up with like some episodes idea, uh, episode ideas to get us like through the end of the year here where there aren't a lot of like new news topics on, on, on the Nintendo front. Um, and one of the things that floated in my mind was like, maybe we could rank the characters in Age of Calamity. But then I was like, no, I don't want to. I, w- I don't want to know. I want to encounter all the characters as as we get to them. I know I got spoiled on a couple of them. Not really. Like uh, I was reading about the game, so it was my own fault. But I was like, oh, that that is a playable character. Like it. It seems like it g- gets more bonkers than I was expecting. Uh, good. I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, Mark, I've also continued to play Yoku's Island Express, which, as we talked about last week, um, was on sale for five dang dollars. Um, and I was playing this sort of like early go of that um, and a, a little bit echoed um, one of your frustrations of like um, not really being able to explore the space as easily because sometimes you just want to like get up to that other platform. And if I was in a Metroid game, I would just jump. But in this, I got to like whack at these paddles until it, until it works. Um, this is a game that I did like accidentally lose an entire day to um, just playing and like uh, really, really loving. I, I didn't finish it. I am not done with it, but um, uh, I am deep enough into the game where uh, I can say that I, I, I like it a lot. I don't know if I'm going to finish it, but, um, you know, I mean, for five bucks, it was certainly worth, um, you know, taking a, a day away from me and just having fun, pleasant music and, uh, you know, a, a pinball exploration mechanic. Yeah, the, pre- the presentation is so nice. Yeah, in fact, I, I I'm almost a little bit like there are almost too many good art assets in it, right? Like, um, it's almost too pretty. Like, I don't know why it looks as good as it does. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> um, all right. Well, so that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. Today, December eighth, Puyo Puyo Tetris two is released on switch mark i forgot about this game i forgot that it was coming out um i really liked the first puyo puyo tetris um sarah and i learned how to play puyo because of it um because we were playing the version of it that like it's the multiplayer competitive where it switches off between puyo and uh and tetris um and we're both very good at tetris obviously uh but neither of us had ever played puyo before um so i don't is this Am I interested in it? Like, do I want to get this? Or is it just going to be the same game again with, like, more it, story elements? <laughs> and, of course, the story in the first game Bonkers. was totally insane. Yeah. Um, I, it kind of seemed like from the reveal it was just going to be, like, more of Puyo Puyo mm-hmm. Tetris with maybe some more, like, multiplayer elements to it. I don't know. That's um, interesting. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Telling you, man, Puyo Puyo Tetris Dr. Mario. Just get there, and I am, I'm on board. <laughs> just keep layering just on. Just keep putting them on. The, Mario's yeah. Woods, Yoshi's Cookie, <laughs> just do them all. And then also today, uh, Doom Eternal is released on the Switch eShop. It's a game that uh, I've been looking forward to for a while, but I don't think I'm going to buy it now. Uh, I've kind of built up myself like a nice little tidy backlog here, which I usually uh, kind of drives me crazy, but, so I need to work my way out of it. And hopefully by that point, Doom Eternal will have gone on sale, and so I can pick it up on sale instead of paying the full 60 bucks. Yeah, don't think that I didn't notice that uh, you did not list Tokyo Mirage Sessions uh, Sharp FE among the games that you've been playing last <laughs> week. I'm paying attention to you, Mitchell. Yeah, that's right. Somebody's got to keep me honest. <laughs> um, so two pretty big releases today. I think that's exciting. 
Yeah, and that's kind of it for the week as far as like games that I was super familiar with. Um, but one thing I didn't want to call out yesterday, Nintendo of America announced that Dragon Quest XI-S Echoes of Elusive Age, a definitive edition for the Nintendo Switch, and Dragon Quest Builders 2 will now be available for $49.99 instead of $59.99. And it seems like that's just like the new base price going forward. Um, Nintendo made this announcement because even though they're Square Enix games, Nintendo publishes these games in North America. On Switch, at any rate. It is, yeah. uh, uh, it, what do you think occasions that price drop? I, I know that uh, Dragon Quest XI S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition is now available on other platforms um, and on Xbox as part of um, Game Pass. Game Pass. Um, so, like, I imagine there are going to be a lot of people accessing it for what is essentially free, and maybe that's... I- why? Yeah, I I think that's it. I also think that like on other platforms, it is already like on Steam and stuff. The oh, uh, this definitive edition is less than sixty dollars, and so I think it's kind of to bring a little more parity to that. Um, and then Builders Two, just uh, just cause it's been out for a while, or yeah, that one I cannot account for. Um, now that is interesting. Builders Two is one that I uh played the. Oh, what is the name of the demo? The demo is so funny. It's like uh, Dragon Quest Builders 2 Jumbo Demo or something like that. The adjective on there uh, tells you how big it is. And it's truly an enormous demo. <laughs> they let you play so much of that game before making you pay for it. Um, and I, I had played through that uh, and then um, just sort of didn't pull the trigger on getting the whole thing, even though I really liked what I played. Um, so maybe this price drop. Although then I should have picked it up during like Black Friday or something, right? It must have been cheaper like two weeks ago. Right? Yeah, or maybe as part of like the uh, one of those like buy two get one free sales on, um, at Target or something. Yeah. Well, okay. So that's just something that I'll have to pay attention to, and I apologize for messing it up. All right, Mark, you ready to uh, close out the new releases? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Now it is time for a regular segment on our show. It is time for four thirty three. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of our show, this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Uh, Mark, as soon as I alter the uh, cadence of any one of those sentences, the whole thing falls apart. <laughs> We are talking the, 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 all month long, we're doing December holiday topics. Uh, the holidays are a time for baking. We are going to be discussing the cookies in Nestle Tollhouse's nationwide survey of most popular cookies by state. Mark, you brought us this list. Uh, where is this coming from? This is coming from Nestle Tollhouse. And I, I'm telling you, I tried to go to some sort of definitive source because I knew I wanted to talk about cookies. So I was Googling like most popular cookies yes. in like America. And there are some bonkers, insane, terrible lists out there where they're like the favorite cookie in Arizona is like spicy Mexican chocolate biscotti. And you're like, I believe that there are people that like, like I'm sure that it tastes right. really good and people enjoy it. I refuse to believe that it is the most popular cookie in Arizona. Right. I would like to see the survey that people had to choose from. <laughs> Was it like that and like a ginger snap? Like what, what are their options here? Right. But this list makes sense. I could wrap my head around it because the vast majority of states say they like chocolate chip cookies. Uh, and specifically chocolate chip cookies without nuts. This is a thing that the list specifies. Uh, it, I don't know if there are any that say chocolate chip cookies with nuts. Colorado, at least, is Colorado, one. come on. Get out of here. Um, I, noticed, <laughs> I noticed that my home state of Wisconsin is, of course, chocolate chip without nuts. Way to go, Wisconsin. Um, of course, California, where you and I both live now, peanut butter with chocolate chips. How do you feel about a peanut butter cookie with chocolate chips? So uh, I don't really like peanut butter cookies, but which is... Uh, odd because i gen i love peanut butter like genuinely yeah. love peanut butter but the idea of a peanut butter cookie with chocolate chips i cannot believe i've never had it before because that actually sounds like it would be pretty good i'm not 
does it exist? Like, <laughs> I've had it's like definitely not the most popular cookie in California. That's I have right. never seen one. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I'm familiar with the uh, like the peanut butter cookie with a uh, Hershey's kiss in the middle of it. Ah, uh, I have had that. I have had that. But I feel like that is not what is being described here. Not at all. The thing that is crazy to me is that uh, California, like, it says that is true for California, but also Alabama, Arkansas, yeah. Mississippi, like, uh, uh, Nevada, like, a number of other states have that. And yet, I have never, ever seen one, ever. Um, states claiming that the biscotti is their favorite cookie include Rhode Island and New Mexico? No, wait. New Mexico is something different. Bus. What is this? Bosco Chito? What is that? <laughs> I, I, Bisco Chito. I, I have no idea what that is. Although I believe that the uh, favorite cookie of Rhode Island is a biscotti. Why For whatever that? reason, that's, that sounds right to me. Hmm. Um, I, uh, the town that I grew up in in Wisconsin, Kenosha, um, has a large Italian population. So uh, we had regular access to biscotti in a way that you probably wouldn't predict for Wisconsin. Uh, app, Washington's. I know we're done. I know we're done. Yeah, I just we're, wanted we're to done, say we're that done. Washington's. Close it up. Washington's cookie is apple cinnamon, which, like, guys, don't guys. be a cliche. Yeah, you can go off the brand for a second, but also Wyoming's cookie is the cowboy cookie. So, like, I don't know, <laughs> and Texas. So, <laughs> um, Mark, I believe we were accompanied today by the EBU Your Radio Orchestra, but I didn't write it down. So, well, uh, that is truly the thing that we will never know. Um, all right, Mark, let's get into the news. Earlier this year, the Persona 5 Muso game, or like Warrior-style spinoff game, uh, Persona 5 Scramble, the Phantom Strikers, was released in Japan for Switch and PS4, but we never got any word of it being released outside of Japan. I wouldn't um, say no even- word. We, we got like a lot of uh, rumors and supposition yeah. about it. That's no right. And I spent word. like... I spent half of the year like thinking that it had already been released or announced for the West and possibly yes. released outside of Japan already. So when we f- when uh, it was when I found out that it in, that what that was in fact not true, uh, it was shocking. shocking. So finally, my the nightmare is over. Uh, last week, an unlisted trailer appeared on Atlas's YouTube channel, confirming the game would be released in North American Europe. On February 23rd, 2021, um, this time just called Persona 5 Strikers. They're getting rid of all the, uh, uh, like, uh, scramble nonsense. Interesting. Um, The video has since been removed from YouTube, but we might be getting confirmation of the release date today since Atlas has been teasing news to be shared December 8th. So maybe by the time you're listening to this, it uh, will have already happened. I like that even in like the official announcement that there's some chicanery around it still (laughs) that like we we know it is we know for sure it is coming to uh, to the West. Oh, wait, maybe it's not. (laughs) Maybe it is. We don't know. We don't know. The video disappeared. Until it is February 23rd and it is available to purchase. I will not believe it. I will agree with that. Still seems weird to me that there's no. Um, still no like uh, motion on any of the mainline Persona games coming to Switch, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the I think you're right in one of your previous predictions in one of our previous shows where you were just like these mainline games are never coming to Switch, and it definitely feels like that's the case. Yeah, that's true. I did say that. I did say that this is never gonna. I didn't. Well. I, I said it certainly won't happen until uh, at least uh, the new consoles are out. So maybe 2021 is the year that it actually happens. But I was pretty confident that maybe it was not going to happen in 2020. Yeah. Do, uh, what is your excitement level for this? For this game? Uh, I mean, pretty low. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, you know, we, we are obviously talking about a, a Musou game that we are playing right now. Um, but you know, we're not really into it for the Mousseau qualities of it. We're excited for the Zelda and for the Breath of the Wild stuff. Um, I think like what motivates me to play a Mousseau game filled with characters I don't know at all. Um, yeah, I mean, nothing. I, I think I'm, I'm more likely to go back and play like the Fire Emblem one. Yeah, 
I yeah, I completely agree. Um, I can't remember if we've talked about it at all recently, but the Game Awards are nearly upon us. They're happening this week. Um, oh, yeah. and they revealed that Reggie Fizeme, the former president of Nintendo of America, is going to be a presenter at this year's show, uh, joining a prestigious lineup that includes the Swedish chef from The Muppets. And Gal Gadot. So, I mean, you know, who knows? What a weird lineup they've got there. They've got fictional characters. They've got Hollywood <laughs> actresses and Reggie fils So, I mean, I don't, I don't, this is, the, the Game Awards is uh, one of those, like, sort of self-serious things that I feel like uh, is way weirder and dorkier than people give it credit for. Like, I think... I think there's a, a lot of eagerness for the Game Awards to be like a, a legitimate thing um, when it's like a lot of, uh, you know, open sourced voting on uh, games and, um, you know, four and a half hours of video game commercial. Um, but, uh, you know, there might be some fun announcements, but, you know, historically not that big, <laughs> you know. So I don't I don't know. Uh the 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 Game Awards is the time of year when I feel the most like Ebenezer Scrooge where I'm like humbug this is no big deal. Um but you know I'm I'm always prepared to be visited by three spirits and have my heart changed. <laughs> How do you feel yeah, about it, Mark? I, I I agree with you that I feel like the uh the Game Awards are best in not to be taken that seriously. Um that they're just an opportunity for like uh, some fun reveals, but who actually wins the awards um, doesn't seem to be that big of a deal. To me, I, I feel like the best way I can describe the Game Awards are like um, putting a blazer over t-shirts and jeans and, you know, like being like, great, I'm all dressed up. Um, it just yeah. doesn't really, it just doesn't really work. Like the things just don't really fit. This is a bad analogy, but it feels like um, that year that puddle of mud went to the MTV video where they were all wearing tuxedos and mohawks and like fake gunshot wounds in their head. Do you remember this? This is a very vivid image in my mind for some reason. I think that that is actually the perfect analogy um, for uh, Of course, the uh, there are some Nintendo games or games that appear on uh, Switch that are nominated for um, Game of the Year. Uh, Hades and Animal Crossing New Horizons. Um, are both nominated for the best game of the year, um, along with Doom Eternal, which will be out on Switch by the time that the awards are announced. Uh, and then the other three are PlayStation exclusives, uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, and um, The Last of Us Part II. Um, so great years for two platforms. <laughs> um, and then uh, the really only other place that yeah. um, you know Nintendo brings uh like has a significant presence is in the uh best family games or games for family or what however that uh that category sorry i'm I'm looking this up sort of on the fly um mark am i gonna find this thing here we go best family games um and these are all sort of nominated um by uh like game industry types um so i wonder if there's just a little bit of like checking out or like sort of default being like, yeah, throw a Nintendo game at it. Because the the games nominated are Animal Crossing's New Horizons, Crash Bandicoot 4, It's About Time, Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout, Mario Kart Home Circuit, Minecraft Dungeons, and Paper Mario the Origami King. Um, I guess those are family games. I don't really know what that category means. I, I, I feel like it's the same thing that the Oscars did with animated films where they're like Oh no, Beauty and the Beast got nominated for Best Picture. Let's create its own category so that can never happen again. The Game Awards are, of course, kicking off this Thursday at 3.30 p.m. Pacific Time, um, streaming pretty much everywhere you would expect to stream something. Uh, Mark, what are you expecting in terms of announcements? Uh, you, you sort of mentioned that uh, there, there could be some, have historically been some. Are you expecting anything from Nintendo this year? I don't know. Uh, I feel like in previous years, there was a lot of hype around like potential Nintendo announcements. Last year, was they were, uh, rumors were really big that the Metroid Prime trilogy was going to be announced. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I feel like, you know, in like... We were a, so young! <laughs> a few years ago, we got, you know, the Bayonetta 3 reveal. And historically, there's been some Smash Brother reveals. And that last one feels the most likely to me. We're probably due for like another reveal of 
the next Smash DLC. And so if if I were betting money on anything, I would bet that to be there. But also, if it didn't show up, yeah. that wouldn't surprise me either. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, obviously a, a weird year for Nintendo and everyone. I would really not be surprised if, like, each of the big three, like, hardware manufacturers didn't have anything to show yeah. at this. Um, you know, as, especially, like, Microsoft and Sony, like, have been firing all their guns. Um, so, like, who has anything left in the tank? Uh, uh, no one. Um, you know, it. it is possible that Nintendo does something big and we're all blown away by it. Um, you know, there are any number of shoes that could drop on, on the Nintendo front. Um, Breath of the Wild 2, Metroid Prime 4, uh, the Switch Pro, which won't be called that. Um, like and any of these things uh could could show up um Pokemon like you know like and <laughs> anything could uh, I sort of feel like nothing will yeah I I I think so as well Mark what's your pick for game of the year uh I think it's got to be Animal Crossing uh, I think it's got to be Hades <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see it'll be the Last of Us but we'll see. <laughs> Uh, Kratos from Sony's God of War franchise is currently a playable character in Fortnite, which means you can play as Kratos on the Nintendo Switch. Wild. It's a cool time. Like, I feel like, you know, as much as uh, Sony is still Sony, Microsoft is still Microsoft, and Nintendo is still Nintendo, there is more cross-pollination than there has ever been as everybody, like, kind of stakes out what their deal is. And, um, you know, with like crossplay online to mm-hmm. some extent, you know, Sony's kind of been resistant to that, but Microsoft's been on board. We've seen Microsoft games published on Nintendo platforms. Like, uh, it feels now more than ever that like, yeah, like this isn't that crazy. If Sonic can be on a Nintendo platform, why not Kratos? Well, I mean, Sonic has been on Nintendo stuff for like, at least a decade at this point. <laughs> Probably close to 20 I get, years. I get what you're saying. <laughs> right. Um, oh, yeah. No. Yeah, definitely like 20 years. Um, I, I do think it still requires something big enough to sort of unite the clans. Um, and uh, Fortnite is definitely that thing. Um, just like uh, Smash Brothers is also sort of that thing that they're able to pull in, um, you know, uh, Banjo-Kazooie and Steve from Minecraft. Totally. Um, you know. And even, you know, like a, a snake from uh, Metal Gear, like it's all uh, it, it just requires something that is like big enough and popular enough to be like, you can't afford not to be part of me. And obviously Fortnite is that. Um, Mark, you had sort of written here that like uh, Kratos is in the game. That's it. That's that. That's the whole story. And that's fun. Um, but is it because there's also sort of rumors right now that uh, Master Chief will be also part of the same um season of Fortnite content master chief from halo um which sort of begs the question is this a like is kratos the opening shot of a uh three systems is this the true uniting the clans and will we also see a nintendo character coming into Fortnite? and who would that be i'm gonna say that would be that would be wild i would love that i don't think it's going to be mario i think it's mario's too precious um i think Although I say that, and they've like given the movie to Illuminations Entertainment, so like so who, maybe I mean, that's not knows? actually true. They let Mar- they let Mario be in a rabbits game too. So like, <laughs> and he holds a gun. Like that was my big hang up. Is like the characters in Fortnite need to like carry guns, but right. like, what if Mario's got that like a uh, you know little blue arm cannon thing? Like, uh. I could see them being more like uh, loose with the character, like Star, like Star Fox. Or sure. um, like Samus or something like that, where it maybe it wouldn't be as weird to have them in that universe. Yeah, I feel like it would need to be someone at least as big as is is Samus even a big enough character like to be on par with Kratos and Master Chief? Like these are th- those are like those companies' icons, right? Like they're they're mascots borderline, and like is Samus Aran a big enough character? Like, within gaming communities, sure. But, like, to the Fortnite audience, is Samus Aran a, a big enough get? Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. Uh, maybe just Nintendo sits it out. I just have such a hard time imagining it being Mario. Yeah. No, that's. I mean, I, I think that that is... What about Wario? What if it's Wario? Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, I, I would believe that on his, like, motorcycle. I would believe that. 
look, it, we all know that it should either be Mike from Star Tropics or Stanley <laughs> the Bugman from Donkey Kong 3. And Gooigi is a time traveler. Gooigi. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Finally, Lego is celebrating 25 years of Lego video games with a new podcast series called Bits and Bricks. It's a historical Great. deep dive into the Lego group's long, oh, quote, the Lego group's long, rich history in digital play and video games um, by journalist Brian Crescenti and documentarian Ethan Vincent, which I think is like a cool project. Like let these two, you know, like journalists, a journalist and a documentarian just kind of like loose with the Lego video games, which is such a um, like specific niche, but also like is a, at this point is like a huge franchise. And they talk about that the um, the podcast, which just uh, dropped its first episode last week, is going to cover like games that weren't released, you know, like that kind of stuff. It, cool. It, yeah, it's just it's uh, I've never I'm not familiar with any other video game company that has done something like this. And the fact that it's coming from Lego is really interesting to me. I mean, I think it's also uh, just a an interesting topic because like Lego is such a specific brand. Uh, you know, outside of video games, uh, and then has become a different specific brand in video games and yeah. a different specific brand in like broader entertainment that all feel like connected but not exactly the same. Um, it's just, it's, it, it's, it's an interesting journey, and I, I would be interested to hear. Oh man, can I say interesting a couple more times? Jesus. <laughs> Sounds cool. I'm looking forward to, to listening to it. <laughs> well, I'm also curious to find out, like, um, what, how unvarnished isn't the right word, but just like how much access they have. Because one thing I th that is very different in video games compared to other medium is uh, we just don't hear that much yeah. about development that isn't really like either from anonymous sources or really just kind of like polished PR presentation. And obviously, this is being produced by Lego, so I don't expect it to, you know, like, like rip it apart or anything. It's but I, not dirty little secrets. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. But it would just be, it would be interesting to hear, like, um, about these, like, projects that didn't go and the kind of, like, a more serious take on, like, documenting the adventure of trying to put a video game together, which I feel like we don't really get that often. Absolutely, especially considering that all most of the lego games um also deal with a, a amount of um like licensing and dealing mm -hmm. with other ip holders uh so like you know there there are lego games sure but you're thinking about lego star wars lego marvel lego dc lego batman um you know all of those things very specifically um which means relationships with different companies and different companies at at different times in their um like uh, as far as video games are concerned, Star Wars is supposed to have like an exclusive relationship with um, EA, right? Um, except where Lego is concerned, like Lego gets to play by its own weird rules, and it would be fun to see, uh, you know, a little peek behind the curtain of what those rules are, how it all played out. According to an infographic released by Lego, the first Lego game was a Japan-only title developed by Sega for the Pico in 1995 called fun to build and what's a hold on what's a pico <laughs> i don't know it's like it's like a mild salsa <laughs> it is like a uh it's like a comp it's it looks like a kid's computer like a laptop oh, that's very okay, like right. toy like um interesting yeah uh and also as part of like uh kind of the celebration the NPD groups, Matt Piscatella, um, NPD is the research firm who tracks video game sales in the U.S., uh, revealed some fun facts about LEGO video games on Twitter. Um, he revealed that LEGO is the ninth biggest video game franchise in history, as uh, recorded by dollar sales. The, okay. Not, the ninth biggest is a... It's, <laughs> it's an impressive amount of games sold, certainly, but ninth biggest is... Like, that's... That's top 10. Yeah, top 10 for sure. <laughs> well, when you consider like the franchises that must be in the top 10, right? So like uh Grand Theft Auto, um Mario Kart. Mario. Yeah, like like to be able to hang with that group. I mean, sure, did I quickly run out of franchises to list? 
but to be able to hang with like that group in the top 10 um is pretty impressive probably uh, just minecraft all by itself <laughs> right yeah completely uh the top three best-selling games are lego star wars the complete saga lego batman and lego star wars 2 so like you were saying patrick uh, their relationship with star wars paying dividends and then finally lego is the best-selling third-party franchise on nintendo platforms wow not just dance not just dance wow wild um so hold on then why was there no uh why were there no new lego uh, star wars games for the wii in the last couple of years huh yeah i know right <laughs> shocking um all right mark let's get out of the news Okay, that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff. We appreciate it when you do that. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE. Mitchell and the show is at Nin Cart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to 8bitbetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying Kirby should have been Kirby in Fortnite. Thanks for listening. Have you ever encountered an unexplained hairy bipedal hominid in the woods? Have you received telepathic messages from an unidentified aerial phenomenon? If so, then you need to listen to Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm Michael McMillan. And I'm Bryce Johnson. And together with super producer... Riley Bray. We make up the Bigfoot Collectors Club. That's right. Every week we talk to actors, comedians, writers, and paranormal experts about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. Like the time when we talked to Craig Ferguson about the Loch Ness Monster and when a sea witch told him he had raven magic. Or the time I asked Pitch Perfect's Anna Camp her opinion on cattle mutilations. Past guests have included Rachel Bloom, Jen Kirkman, Paul F. Tompkins, Bobcat Goldthwait, and more. So if you've ever been abducted alongside five reindeer by an alien with grills for hands, or witnessed Bigfoot crawl out of an interdimensional portal, don't laugh, happens all the time, then check out Bigfoot Collectors Club on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Bigfoot, Bigfoot Collectors Club, you're, you're here to, to believe, believe us. Wait, is that how it goes? Campfire.